0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 k two three two fifteen forty two. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You can also send a message to the k app chat. If you don't have the k News app, what are you waiting for? Go to your app store, get it right now. You'll get all of the news of the day. Be able to listen live to the show anytime you want. Whether it is my show, whether it is Acadiana's Morning News, Moon Graffon, whatever, you can listen to it from anywhere. I was listening to it while I was in Oklahoma last week, and I got, it, I got it crystal clear. Even heard this guy's voice while I was in Oklahoma last week. Mayor President Josh Gillard joins us in the studio. How are you? What you know, Joe? Not much. Glad to have you in the studio. Been wanting to get you on for a while uh, because everybody else gets to hear from you, and I, I, I have not had the honor yet. Well, the, hon- the honor's all mine. We love your
1: show. We have it on at the office uh, from time to time, and we think the world of you. Happy we can make it
0: work. Well, thank you. Uh, I I do want to say, first of all, congratulations for being a mayor president who wasn't booed at an <laughs> LSU Tiger celebration <laughs> recently. Uh, that, I think, is—oh, man. So I I have to—let's if let's yep, say the yep. Cajuns won a national title. Oh, yeah, that would be a great day. Um would you be attempting to steal the spotlight in any way? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I would I would hope I wouldn't, but I'll tell you, I'm glad you asked that because uh, I've gone to plenty of uh, celebratory events, and, and I'm actually cautious of that. I never want to take away from our student-athletes, especially at the university. Uh, they do a great job of including us. I'm very thankful every time we get invited, and we try to make them. Uh, but, no, yeah, I would definitely not try to steal the <laughs> thunder, and, and I surely hope I wouldn't be booed. Oh, my goodness, but, uh, you know, it happens.
0: So <laughs> I'm, some folks listening might be – so. Why are you having him on? Josh Giller was on. I mean, you were on uh, for Lafayette Live. You're on every week. Yep. Um, why have and and some friends even asked, Because I mentioned I was going to have you on. They're like, uh, but isn't he on the radio like enough? And I said, I don't, I don't think so. I don't get the opportunity to ask, uh, and and most people don't get the opportunity really to ask. Like sit sure. down with you and just kind of go a little bit deeper because a lot of the times you're on the radio, you have to talk about projects. You've got to talk about. Uh, you, you you've asked to, to talk about the lawsuits and everything, all those issues that keep pro, cop, uh, cropping up and everything, but now it's just like a chance to sit down and I I want to get your thoughts on just like the state of the parish first sure. of all. You're going into kind of the end of your first term. Do it, let's let's say you pulled a, a president poll and just decided to walk away. Like yeah. you you got do you feel like you got everything done in one term that you wanted to?
1: Well, we've definitely exceeded our goals in the first term, uh, which I'm very thankful for. But you know, there's a lot more work to be done, and I'd be honored to to continue to serve for another four years because we can we can build on. it. We have a lot of big things in the pipe, like moving the jail. Yeah, f- fulfilling the or excuse me, looking at that footprint that the jail currently has, and and the businesses around the jail that will probably migrate with it. Uh, that makes mm-hmm. that that four to five acre footprint even bigger, and that's right in the heart of our parish, right in the heart of our city, and uh, it's going to be exciting. I want to see that that go through and. Uh, continuing our road program, which is very aggressive. You know, Joe, when we took over, we were about nine to ten months behind schedule on our asphalt overlay program. And to see that thing be almost a year ahead of schedule mm-hmm. is really, really impressive. Uh, very, very thankful for Public Works. You know, our, our finances continue to thrive. I want to see that. And, you know, it's going to take a second term to continue to, to to do that. When we took over, we had about, check this out, $50,000 yeah. in the parish general fund. That's, mm-hmm. that's very scary. That is a, very scary. For a parish scary. of 250,000 people. We're now happy to report it's going to be about two point two million, and we got there at the end of this um, this next budget that's coming up, or the beginning of this next budget that's coming up, and we got there without raising taxes. You know, so a whole bunch of stuff that we want to do. We got a lot of parks and rec activities. You know, that that I think a second term will be very very fruitful for. And uh, but we laid the groundwork here the first term. We we did all the boring things that, that we had to do.
0: You know, yeah. we had to we had to address drainage, had to address roads. We were behind, and we still got a lot of work to do. So you mentioned the jail, and and that's. That is something I had thought about, as but I wasn't sure. But you, you brought it up. One of the things, one of the concerns, I know one of the community concerns about it has been the location because of of where it is. Uh, typically, when you consider the the area in and around the north side, obviously lower income had some problems, and people really worried from I think a, a, the racial aspect of it, the, the 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 school to prison pipeline that so many people have talked about, and and having having a prison so close to that community did cause some concern. I remember there were some public meetings there. Folks had, yeah. had voiced their concern about it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the first, the public meetings help because there, there's a lot of sensitivities and that's why we do them. You know, yeah. we believe in transparency. You mentioned about me being on the radio. Part of the reason why I do go on these shows is for transparency. Right. Cause I, I don't, you know, I'm blessed to serve and genuinely serve 250,000 folks. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't take that for granted. I wish I could sit down on a one-on-one conversation with, yeah. with every one of them. Cause I, I always get something out of it, you know, and I'm sure I hope they do too. So the, these opportunities allow us to, to do that. Um, in regards to the, the jail, let's just just clarify a few things. It's not a yeah. prison. It's a it's a parish jail. Yeah. So a lot of these uh, these inmates are waiting for trial, mm-hmm. waiting to be sentenced. So it's kind of a temporary housing uh, uh, facility as opposed to a full blown out jail. We do have some department. uh, uh not DOJ DOC Department mm-hmm. of Corrections uh, inmates in the parish jail that the sheriff manages. But that's very few and far between. Yeah. Um, in regards to the school to to jail ratio. You know, downtown has a lot of schools around it. So mm-hmm. the location that this this particular uh, facility will be moving to is actually way fewer uh, schools. I think there's one school kind of close by it as yeah. opposed to five or six right on top of it. So that, that ratio is much better at the new location. And I think the biggest win here, though, is the sheriff's facility is already off of Willow. Mm-hmm. So all these rehabilita- uh, re- um, uh, rehabilitary uh, programs that we have or that the sheriff offers is next door as opposed yeah. to traveling. Uh, logistics can be a nightmare.
0: And just to kind of stick to it, because I, again, I I spend a lot of time in the classroom, particularly teaching a lot of students who are from in and around the north side area. And so there's a lot of concerns that I've just kind of been aware of over the last nine, 10 years. One of them has always been, what is Lafayette going to do with the north side? It's always been a talking point. Who's going to rejuvenate it? How are they going to rebuild it? That sort of thing Are there any plans to help rehabilitate and rejuvenate the North side? It's happening right now. The North side,
1: I'm telling you, I hope everyone It really, really embraces this. The North side can be a jewel, and it Mm -hmm. will be. It's a hidden jewel, but there has been disinvestment by our local government. We've had plenty of politicians saying the right things but not doing anything for for 40, 50 years. I mean, it's been—the word disinvestment is what it means. It's lack of investment, lack of public investment. We've had, I think, $100, dollars 6 million million in the last three and a half, four years invested into the north side uh, from sewage capacity increasing, from road improvement, from a lot of drainage work, mm-hmm. uh, but also quality of life initiatives. $25 million invested into Brown Park and Moore Park, all these quality of life measures that um, in the last 20, 30 years have been on the south side. Nothing wrong with that, uh, but we need to we need to balance that out. Now, we have some big wins planned for the south side and the center, center part of our, our parish, too. but. Right. Uh, you know, those we need to do a little more due diligence before we roll it out to the public and get some input. Otherwise, we're wasting folks' time. Uh, but a lot, a lot of investments there. It's, it's one of our gateways. We got to take, uh, you know, we got to really, really give some TLC. Um, the litter abatement mm-hmm. has has increased not just in the north side, but across our city, our parish, uh, city of Lafayette for two years in a row, one cleanest city in the state, mm-hmm. and uh, we were far from that. Four yeah. years ago, I mean, grass wasn't getting cut. Litter was everywhere. And it's, it's a domino effect. It's kind of like that broken window theory in New York. You know, mm-hmm. you, you fix the little
0: things and they don't trickle to big things. With all of these projects, no matter where in the parish it is, and considering, again, all the, the negative coverage, everything like that, at any point, have you stopped to think that maybe you were too ambitious and kind of taking uh, too much on it once? Never. not Never once. What I did question and and look back, and I
1: always try to to correct my mistakes, is how I rolled out some of the messaging Mm -hmm. for that. The way I communicated, I felt like I could got better, and and how we communicate now is is not drastically different, but there's some different. uh, I'm aware of more sensitivities now than I would than I was even Mm -hmm. two years ago, Uh, and that just comes with experience, uh, you know. But my heart's always been in the right place, and you know, as as a conservative. You know, what what separates us and our philosophical beliefs is it's not even necessarily what you you normally think, what's on the right or what's on the left. Right. The basis, in my opinion, the foundation of conservatism is empowering local governments Mm -hmm. because we're the ones that can make changes quicker to include addressing our mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. Look— I surround myself around very great people. Sometimes the advice I have, I, I, looking back, I would have taken different advice had I known the circumstance, but look with the parks and rec situation. Yeah. We were, when I inherited, what I inherited from a financial standpoint, our administration on the parish side, forecasted a $50,000 uh, general fund, the, but this on the parish, on the city side, we inherited an eighteen million dollar deficit. Mm-hmm. That means we were spending eighteen million. That shouldn't happen in local government. We were right. spending eighteen million dollars more than what we had forecasted coming in. COVID hits, that forecast is increased by ten million. So we were looking at a twenty-eight million dollar deficit. The first budget I was looking at, actually before the budget, so we had to go into some pretty, pretty significant meetings, late nights at, and weekends on the city at City of Paris Hall. One of the cuts that was recommended to me was in Parks and Rec on how we had the uh, rec center. So we mm-hmm. were prepared to close four. I rolled that out horribly. That was something yeah. that I should have done way, but I would never have rolled it out something like that now. Yeah. I mean, four years later, you kind of learn a few things. But within a couple hours, that decision was changed. But I couldn't take back what I had already said. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that was a good learning lesson for me. All right, Tough lesson, but, you know, lesson uh, let's, uh
0: let's take this first break. We'll come back. We'll have a few more minutes. Uh, I want to... Kind of dive into some more of, I guess, like reflections on on this first term. You talked about maybe some mistakes, things like that. But really, what you're looking forward to most as as you kind of continue to finish this one up, we'll have that and more. This is Joe Cunningham in with me, Mayor President Josh Gillery. Lots more coming here on the show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL 232-1542 is the number, or you can send a message through the KPEL app chat. Uh, Lafayette Mayor President Josh Guillory joining us in the studio today. I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I want to switch switch gears, too. Yeah. Joe, what's the process on picking your bumper music? Uh, it's all stuff that I listen to. Nice. So it's any Inside any Joe info right here. Yes. That, I got it. That particular song. Is uh, it's from a genre called chap hop, which okay. is British guys doing this gentleman type rap. Okay, and it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> it, it's it's really fun. I have to check it out. Um, the the next one up, the one that's going to take us to the bottom of the hour news is actually a local high school band. Sweet. They the uh, the kids uh, they go to David Thibodeau STEM Magnet Academy, okay. and uh, the I, one of their songs I really like, so I made that a bumper as well. But it's just the. It's I just really thought that just, was vital information that the yeah. public needed to know. Yeah, like every every song that's a bumper <laughs> is a song that I like. I'm, I'm never going to play something because somebody recommends a, a bumper. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be something that I have Hard to core. like to listen to. You're listen digging to. in. you like you're. This is it. This is the process. You're if, not changing. If I'm not interested in, it, I can't expect my audience to be okay. interested in. it. That's, so that's that's you're how the, that you're works. You are
1: the heartbeat of the program. I get it.
0: I try. Um, so in the last segment, you you mentioned yeah, there were some mistakes. There are some things that. That maybe if you could go back, you would you would change it up. But I I also have to ask because inherently what you do, it's all it, everything's political. There's a bunch of politics involved here, so I I need to I feel the need to ask. You mentioned you're a conservative. Just kind of taking a look at the landscape around us politically, not even anything about any particular candidate, yeah. Just as a conservative and as a politician, what are you kind of seeing in your community and kind of in the surrounding areas as far as The political temperature of the room. Well, I feel like people are tired of the national narrative. Yeah, that's my take. I I am, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: personally, you know, uh, there's something to be said um, about the outfall of what Roe versus or Roe versus Wade with Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade. I think that's going to have an uh, indirect impact or maybe a direct impact on what you and I are talking about right now. I feel like more people are going to migrate. Uh, if you're left leaning, for example, you're probably going to go to left leaning states that mm-hmm. have that, and and there's nothing wrong with that. And see, that's the thing about about conservatism. Right. We embrace that because I'll tell you, if you empower, and this is my philosophical beliefs belief. If you empower the local government, your most far left, most far woke mayor out there is not going to go too far because mm-hmm. he or she still has to go to the same grocery stores you got to go to, same gas stations, same thing on the conservative side. If I went way too right on on my policies. Here administratively, I would feel it. I would know it. I would be at the gas station just like with you and me. And and I I do everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I know it, it's. It, you never know when someone's going to come to me. I embrace that. I signed up for that. But it helps me keep my thumb on the pulse too to not go too extreme. I, and and that's why. But 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 you start empowering Baton Rouge and other capitals. You start empowering D.C. like we've done over the last hundred years. At mm-hmm. how how massive our federal government has grown you're you're going to continue to get the product you get. So yeah, I think the pulse is we're tired of the the national narrative seeping into
0: every single thing.
1: It's important. It has its place, yeah. but not in every single topic
0: the the I think the culture war stuff, all oh, yeah. that stuff that that gets tossed around a whole lot, even brought into the local level too. I mean, we've we've got the issues the 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 constant controversy. it seems like people talk about the library board here yeah. talking about it around the state. It's just, I think, I think it's really wearing thin on a lot of
1: people. Well, take the library, for example, even at the local level. That pendulum has swung. It swung way, way left mm-hmm. for a while and swinging way, way right. But I feel like now it's kind of getting more center right, yeah. you know, which, which is probably more indicative and repli- probably replicates the values of our community a lot more. And, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you, if, if we were trying to govern the library, for example, in, out of Baton Rouge or out of Washington, we would have it would be a mess. It would be way worse than what it is.
0: All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, I'm gonna ask the mayor president. to Stick around for a few more minutes. We want to talk to him a little bit more? Then we'll uh, at the end of the show, we'll kind of go over the the some of the headlines from the day. But if we don't get to a whole lot of news, it's fine because I will be filling in for Moon tomorrow, and I've got three hours with y'all to fill you to to fill you in on everything going on. Let's take this bottom of the hour news break, Josh uh, Mayor President Josh Gillery joining us. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Mayor President Josh Guillory joining us in the studio today, and I am going to go ahead and get into the headlines of the day because I want to, uh, while he he doesn't have handlers in here, I want to ask him about (laughs) politics, see if I can't get him in trouble. Uh, The Supreme Court, obviously everybody's heard about this one today. The Supreme Court in uh, a very big landmark decision has uh, effectively ended race based admissions, uh, race based admissions, affirmative action in college admissions for public universities and private universities that receive public funding. Um, So I want to get to that in just a second. But before we get there, we do have a caller on the line. Hi, caller. This is the Joe Cunningham show. Oh, never mind. Hung up. Uh, So anyway, I guess I will get into the uh, the subject. then. so uh, in a it's a 6-2 decision. And I think some people need to realize it's 6-2, not 6-3, because the newest justice on the court, Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, actually had to be recused from the case because she had heard the case at the lower level when she was still uh, before she became a judge for the justice for the Supreme Court. So in this 6-2 decision, the conservative justices held that you cannot use race as the primary criteria for college admissions, and it has caused a little bit of consternation online and among pundits, as you might expect. Uh, a lot of people are arguing that this uh, this negatively impacts Black and, and Latino uh, college students in particular, but the folks who are supporting it say, well, if you go back and actually reread and, and re-research the case, the case was about discrimination against Asian Americans in favor of those other minority groups. And the Supreme Court's decision ultimately comes down to if you want to get rid of discrimination, you need to get rid of discrimination. And I I can't disagree with that. the the uh, the majority opinion was written by uh, Chief Justice John Roberts concurring opinions by, uh, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch and Clarence Thomas in particular, his concurrence. I think everybody should go and read. I'm going to actually share that on my Facebook page later. I will share the the whole opinion, but make sure that you guys can uh, easily find the, the Thomas concurrence because it, I think is one of the best pieces of writing he does. And Clarence Thomas does a lot of, of great writing. Um, Mayor President, you uh, and I won't hold it against you. You you <laughs> practiced law, so uh, first of all, what are your thoughts hey, just on the ruling? We need them on ruling? our side too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what what are your thoughts on the ruling?
1: Yeah, I think it's the proper ruling, and I agree. We were talking offline. You know, two two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, and it's it's been said plenty by by many jurors out there that you know the only way to stop discriminating based on race is to stop discriminating based on race. Right. And. And, you know, I feel and I just briefly read the slip opinion uh, by Chief Justice Roberts. And I feel like he did a good job to bring this back and give us a little history lesson talking about the or gave a really good analysis on the type of scrutiny that equal protection clause cases get. You know, out of the hmm. equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment in this particular case. Um, and any time the government discriminates based on race, the courts will employ what's called strict scrutiny, which means that the government can do it. As long as you have a compelling interest and, that, and, and the government's actions are narrow, narrowly tailored to, su- to support that compelling interest. Said differently, there can't be any less restrictive manners or ways or approaches to achieve the interest that the government's trying to do. In this case, uh, I guess overcompensate for certain races not having a high attendance or whatnot. Right. You're just, just throwing that out there. So in this case, the court simply ruled there are less restrictive ways to achieve that goal. There are more political ways meaning through the election, uh, election process and administrative mm-hmm. process, and you'll see the courts. You saw the courts really until the New Deal era, you saw the courts exercise a lot of judicial constraint yeah. over, over more than 150 years. Mm-hmm. And then the last 50 to 75, really the last 100 years, we've seen the court massively expand its role the last 15 to 20 years, it's been, and you'll see that up and down throughout the court's history, not to get too nerdy on everybody, but the last 15, 20 years, the court has been, in my opinion, properly restraining itself some more.
0: I, and I think that's a really good point. And I also, I, I think that Neil Gorsuch, his concurrence, um, in his concurrence, he he refers back to the to the fact that he was in the majority for the Bostock opinion, which was about discrimination against trans, uh, the trans community. And he mentions in his concurrence, I'm maintaining the same thing I maintain there. Why then are the liberal justices dissenting when it's effectively the same thing? We're talking about ending discrimination and they're not staying consistent with it. And I think that's one of the notable things about this is that the majority and the dissent are very, very heated in their exchanges on paper. There, there's very clearly a deep divide on this. And the majority in particular, I really think, uh, did a lot of dismantling of of the dissent, particularly focusing on how the dissent was very much emotion-based rather than... Uh, than constitutionally based or, or rationally based because they focus a lot on uh, they focus a lot on generalizations about race and statistics and everything like that and they om- some of the very opinions that they use in their dissent they omit key parts that actually help the majority opinion and Clarence Thomas and John Roberts in particular very quick to call them out on it. As somebody who works in government, as somebody who is the head of a local government, obviously discrimination is one of those big HR things that you and your administration also have to make sure. Uh, how how hard or easy is it to fall into the trap of are you discriminating and and do you think this even you know this was a case about colleges and and, and college admission and everything? Do you think that this ruling helps in that regard, even in terms of government or any other public entity?
1: Well, the, the ruling at minimum brings a lot more consistency to the judiciary. Mm-hmm. So we, our three branches of government. And I think it's important, if, of all the branches that should be consistent, it that, should be the yeah, judiciary. It's right. the branch, as Publius would say in the Federalist Papers way back in the day, it's the branch with neither the sword nor the purse. Mm-hmm. The executive branch at the federal level has an army. You know, Congress at the federal level, purse strings, manages our money. It makes sense that the judiciary, the branch with neither the sword nor the purse, would take its time, would be slow, but it would be consistent. Our founders, and this this resonates in state and local government too, our three branches of government have different speeds by design. Executive branch, day-to-day, 24 hours a day, very quick, very, and have to be. And then the more local you get, the more quick your, your actions will be because you're, you're – Closely, more closely connected to the issue at hand. The legislative body, more deliberate, got to play nice in the sandbox, or at mm-hmm. least you we're going to play, you hopefully play nice, get right. some things done. But a little slower, more methodical. The judiciary, by design, is very slow, but you need them to be consistent. Um, but you mentioned uh, Justice Gorsuch, uh, Gorsuch uh, with the, the LGBT mm-hmm. uh, ruling that that he had ruled uh, in favor of not, basically don't discriminate. There was no rational right. basis. But there's three that when the government discriminates, there's essentially jurisprudence gives us three levels of scrutiny. Strict scrutiny being the highest, which is in this case with the admissions case. Mm-hmm. The case that the, uh, Justice Gorsuch was referring to wasn't even strict scrutiny. So to his point, and I briefly skimmed through the slip, slim, slim, uh, slip opinion on this. But to his point was, hey, at a much lower level of scrutiny, I said discrimination wasn't proper here. There was no just reason to, by the government to discriminate. So when we talk about race, you definitely shouldn't discriminate based on race. That that's been a consistent, at least, ta- uh, ver- verbal uh, policy right. for the last fifty years. Uh,
0: I I think that you got to be consistent. Yeah, can, can have your cake and eat it too. Yes. Uh, the the consistency I think is key. And you know, you mentioned the the three branches of government and and how the judicial is kind of it is you know they 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 pose Lady Justice with scales for a reason. That's right. And it's supposed to kind of level things out, and and that's sort of what the the Supreme Court did earlier this week in the uh, the North Carolina case mm-hmm. about whether or not the courts had the right if the independent legislature theory about elections maps and things like that. The court basically said the same things like things have to be consistent and level, and so we're kind of seeing that. And that was a decision that the Supreme Court came to that everybody loved, and it. By the way, it wasn't a strictly partisan breakdown there. I think that's another thing that's come out of this particular judicial term. Everybody talks about the extreme maga court. Yeah. With the exception of today, though, there have been a lot of decisions where it's been a mixed bag, and especially on
1: social issues. Yes. Which and which is okay. I mean, the mm-hmm. diversity of thought should be welcome in our country and and you shouldn't be pinned in a in a corner, especially in, in the court. Again, I'm ta- I'm saying that as probably one of the more conservative people you'll talk to, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, But I do I do value
0: the process and I value the system and I value our country and how it's how it's set up. So I want to go ahead. And let's take this, this last break. Yep. When we come back, a couple more of the headlines of the day. I want to get your thoughts on. See if I can trap you. I'm not going to tell you anything Look, during the break. That
1: that CAO's not <laughs> here to keep me in my cage. She's, I'm going I'm to talk an politics. Ang- she said, you got to behave when you go over there. I said, OK,
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely going to get an angry text from Uh-oh. Sidra. I feel that. Uh-oh. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here in a moment. Joe Cunningham, Mayor President Josh Guillory in the studio back on the Joe Cunningham show right after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 is the number or send a message to the KPEL app chat. Mayor President Josh Guillory joining us in the studio today. I have to ask because I've seen this story pop up on social media now. 14,000 solar panels were destroyed in Nebraska by a hailstorm last night. And I have to ask because there's a lot of discussion on this as well. Is Lafayette in any way engaging in any sort of green energy initiatives? Do you have any plans to, and do you think the politics of environmentalism could get in the way of any plans to?
1: So yes to the first part, but I'm only answering the question that you asked and how you asked it. No to the second part. Politics has nothing to do with it. Um, but but diversifying our energy production does. So we have a utilities company, LUS. It's a great utilities company, and it's best practices to diversify how you generate. We're also very... Very unique situation where it's publicly owned. It's a publicly owned electrical company, but mm-hmm. it's a publicly owned electrical company that generates its own electricity, and that's very key. While we do purchase and we buy and sell electricity when we need to, our max load is about 500 megawatts a, a day yeah. on, on uh, electric generation, our, our cap, you know, what we've seen historically— uh, and to get there, we need to diversify. So we can't just rely on gas. And, co- and we use a coal plant for mm-hmm. about half of our production out out in Boyce. Yeah. So there is some discussion. There are some discussions on entering into a, a purchase power agreement, a PPA, all the cool kids call it, yeah. in electric land. Um, but but we're looking at uh, about about five percent of our production, maybe ten percent being uh, solar generated. Uh, we want to go with LES. We want to go with the um, the um, the purchase agreement mm-hmm. uh, route because it's it's still new technology. We don't want to lock yeah. in our rate payers to invest in in capital uh, twenty thirty years that that we may not know the technology right. yet. So kind of like a crawl walk run phase. Uh, overwhelming majority of our our production uh, is natural gas, or mm-hmm. will be natural gas. It's a clean energy uh, yeah. source. It's very efficient. Uh, luckily, where we're located in our in our state, southern part of our state, right by Erath, where's the hub of of that particular mm-hmm. energy, um, it it makes sense for us, you know. Uh, Fifty years ago, we moved into to the Boise area with the coal plant. We want to generate here locally in Lafayette. If you stay tuned to the council, city council meetings in the next six to eight months, you're going to see some multi generational decisions being made. In regards to generating electricity here in Lafayette, but that's all natural gas. Yeah. Uh, so, but to answer your question, yeah, about five, eh, five, ten percent. Probably look at some of these new re- renewable uh, energy
0: sources, which is not uncommon with other electric companies. Do you think that there will be a shift to doing it more, or do you think that again, kind of the the politics? That's of where it, politics come in. Yeah. I, I'm more of a—and this,
1: this is just my philosophy. People can disagree. I need that technology to, for me to be satisfied and comfortable. I yeah. need the technology to be proven, yeah. or at least as proven as possible. Natural gas in the state of Louisiana, where we support oil and gas, and, and, it's, and we need to— It just makes sense to continue to generate. It's clean. It's reliable. It's close to home. It makes us more autonomous. It makes more reliable. When we have things like that ice storm that hit a couple years ago, we never want to be like our folks, our friends over in Texas. We won't be because of these initiatives. If we went straight solar, if we went straight uh, renewable or green Mm -hmm. uh, um, initiatives, I I am not, my confidence level is not as high. Not that I disagree with it. I think that we should always be open to, to new technologies. But right now, I think a healthy dose—and this is what the engineers are, are advising me on—five uh, or ten percent of our our, our load uh, being renewables mm-hmm. is is a responsible rate right now. We'll see what the future holds. And we, but you know, hey, look, we welcome thoughts and ideas. You know,
0: and so that that solar, you're not looking at any wind farms off the coast. You know, I did ask our consulting
1: engineer. Uh, I did. I really. I said, "What can you do for standing brown water?" Mm-hmm. And he just kind of paused. And he thought I was serious. I was like, but then I was serious <laughs> on the on the gi- dramatic pause. I was like, well maybe he does have something. I don't know. He's like, uh nothing. I'm like, Okay, well we have a river that flows uh, north every once in a while, but most of the time it stands still. <laughs> he didn't he didn't get anything. But no, we don't have enough wind or uh to, to do the the wind wind yeah. power. We do have some turbines, but they're
0: but they're powered by natural gas. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> speak, speaking of natural gas i mean obviously that's that's yeah. been a huge part but of like lafayette's Joe, history
1: but the politics are important that's why it's in, you know when we that's one area where the national politics and narrative does it is relevant you need to, yeah. to ask us how we how we view certain things will will affect you locally you know yeah. so if if you're if you're a conservative you know ask those questions
0: uh so the, the 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 natural gas oil and natural gas always been historically been a big part of south louisiana yeah. and, and the economy here and getting being able to use that as a primary trying to get that and and really get that going do you see a resurgence possible cuz we we kind of we've been seeing it on the decline it's it's really hurt lafayette in the past the, the decline yeah. of oil and gas do you see a resurgence of that it depends on who we elect as our governor this fall, it is vitally
1: important that we elect a pro and gas governor back yeah. into the in, the in the Baton Rouge, and it and it's important here locally. We still, even under these policies, check this out. We still have more than eight hundred million dollars in annual wages in oil and Gas in Lafayette Parish. That's still a lot. We're not turning our back on. We're going to do everything we possibly can to support oil and gas. I know my administration does, and we've had some wins, even little things like bringing Latco back to Lafayette. Yeah. It just it sends a message to the industry that we're open. Uh, we're continuing to diversify our economy, we have, and we have over the last three or four years. And if you can look at our sales tax revenue, thank God, you know, we're, we're blowing and going. But there's two things we need to do in this state. So when everybody, when, when we're listening over here, if you support all and gas, any gubernatorial candidate, put this in the back of your mind. Two things we need to do, lower severance taxes mm-hmm. at, at or below what Texas is, we're about 8.5% higher, and change our legal climate. We yeah. need to ban legacy lawsuits. There mm-hmm. is a compromise there. I'm not If someone's harmed, no one's saying that that the harmed person shouldn't be made whole again. No one's saying that. But I don't know another area of the law that you can go 80 to 90 years back Mm -hmm. and trace down to a cause of action and sue. I I don't understand something that happened that long ago, and now you have a cause of action here. And it was created, legacy lawsuits were created in the court. They weren't even created legislatively. We're a civil law jurisdiction. We're not common law. Our laws should come from the legislature and signed the law by the governor. But a governor can change the tone. If we had a governor that, that was pro oil and gas, we'd be all we would be a leader in the industry. And we need to be. We need to go back to the dominance that we had that mm-hmm. we
0: once had in Lafayette and Louisiana. All right, real quick, because we're running out of time. Texas is now very worried because of the heat wave that we're seeing. And yeah. and they're worried about energy mm-hmm. and possible energy shortages. Is there any chance that I mean, with what you know of LUS, is there any chance that we could be seeing the same thing here? There's
1: there the the chances low that we would see with their with the threat that they face. They they are in a different climate than yeah. the, literally climate, uh, yeah. and and probably another uh, another type of climate too. But um, there's always a chance of, of rolling blackouts when you have a heat wave that we're going through uh, right now. There's no reports that 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 that's a threat. Um, two years ago we had a pretty significant threat, and we're not at those levels yet. So our capacity load that we were talking about earlier seems to be extremely manageable. Yeah. But Anytime you're in South Louisiana and it's July August, the responsible answer to that is sure we could see some, but but it's not imminent right now.
0: All right, Mayor Which is President good. Josh Guillory, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Hope to have you again in the studio. You got it, Joe. Appreciate you. God bless you guys. Happy Fourth of July. All right, we're gonna take a 23 hour break. Actually, no, I will be in nine o'clock to fill in for Moon Grafan because the big guy himself is filling in for Dan Bongino. So you guys will catch me at nine, and I'll be live at three tomorrow as well. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email joe at redstate.com. Shannon is very, very offsides, and he is up next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.